Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This week, every day on Cub and Devos, we're publishing an episode at 9 p.m. These are interviews and conversations that have been had with friends on our shores that I believe will bless you. This coming Sunday, on the 20th of November, we're having Eleanor and all her single friends coming to explain to us why they fear to commit. We shall discuss fears singles have concerning marriage. Some are legit fears. They have problems that married people now cannot escape, while others are baseless fears. Question for you. Is hell for rich people? After all, it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Sounds like a Sunday school question, and some have argued that it is the love of money that is the problem and not money in itself. But this verse does not say that it is harder for the rich man that loves his money. It simply says the rich man, not the one that loves his money. I'm yet to find rich men that do not love their money. As we navigate this tough economy, we need to learn where the traps are and avoid them. Welcome to this episode as we ask the question, is hell for rich people? By the way, previous episodes can be found when you search for Cabin Devos on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Audible, Spotify, and straight on Google or Google Podcasts. Enjoy the show. And the question we have to answer today is, is hell uh, for rich people? And of course, we know how someone gets to heaven. Uh, I mean, if you're here and you're born again, yes. Uh, But again, when you think about it, the question still remains. What did Christ mean when he talked about how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? He must have meant something when he said those words. And we need and must pay attention uh, to that. It is said by so many commentators that Jesus spoke about money more than he did about heaven and hell. It's interesting. Money is a very big deal to Christ. And these are the words of John Piper. He says there must be something really dangerous about money. He said, again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. That must mean something, either a warning to us or something for us to pay attention to. And I think this chapter that we're looking at tonight ties way, uh, it, it ties into stuff that we looked at last week um, concerning anxiety and concerning how the pressures of this life and how life is moving so quickly and we cannot seem to catch up. It seems like it's all connected uh, to money. And if you're on the WhatsApp group uh, that we have with uh, Cabin Devils, you must have noticed some of the posters um, and the pictures that I posted on there to do with how money is the number one cause of anxiety uh, when it comes to Americans. But I also went ahead to just post some of the lists or the things that cause anxiety for Africans. And most of it were almost the same as money. Uh, talking about war, talking about the political situations uh, that we have uh, back here at home. And going through all of those, realize, I mean, and all of you can, I think, agree with me that money is is a big deal. It is a big deal. It wakes us up tomorrow morning at eight to be at the office. Why? Because if you don't, you'll be fired. And that's equal to money. Some of the things that keep us awake are mostly, mostly tied with money. But today we are going to find some answers. I'm going to ask Mr. David Chirabira to call in and so we can begin this discussion as soon as possible. Let me read for you something that I found interesting uh, with, a, with this article that I posted for you. I, I believe 
John Piper has a point, and I really, really want to push uh, this point until we can get all the juice out of it, if I can, if I can use that word, all the juice out of it. He makes a point, and he says a lot of rich people argue, especially Christians, they argue that second, I mean, First Timothy six ten is talking about the fact that a rich man, I mean, talking about how the love of money is the root of all evil. And, and I'm saying money is not bad. And and of course, he sticks to this verse and he says, no, 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 no. He says it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, period. He says, not a rich man who loves his money. It is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That is, and than it is for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Money is dangerous. He says something I don't think I had read before. And he says, if you have it and depend on it, it will kill you. If you don't have it and crave it, it will kill you. Money can kill us because it reveals our hearts. My question is, what does it mean to lay up for yourself treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth? Let's see, he says, if we can get some help from Jesus. But allow me to very briefly read for you the beginning part of James chapter 5. And I think it's interesting that some of the words used here are not very polite. They are difficult uh, to accept, <laughs> if I might use that word, difficult to accept. But James is not missing words either when it comes to money, when it comes to riches, especially the beginning part. He says, come now, you rich. And he says, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. Behold the wages of the laborers who move, who mowed, sorry, your fields, which you kept back by fraud are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person, he does not resist you. Those are difficult words. Those are hard words. And of course, chapter five, we'll talk through the rest of it. It has more encouragement uh, for us when it talks about uh, patience in verse seven, um, until the coming of the Lord. Um, and, and he likened that to the farmer. And we're going to talk about all of that. But David, I believe that now you are alive. What are your thoughts when it comes to this topic of money? What are we looking forward to, Devi? Welcome to Cabin Devils. Good evening to everyone and uh, anyone that might be joining outside our time zone. Good uh, morning or good afternoon to you. Um, you know, uh, money is a very interesting uh, topic to talk about, and especially in these times where uh, things seem to be going haywire. We need the money, um, and, and so we need to be careful what perspective we take. It must be biblical. It must not be driven by our circumstances. It must not be driven by our biases, our ambition, um, and, and stick within uh, what God guides us. And I think James um, chapter 5 uh, is bringing out some key uh, issues and warnings, especially um, in as far as wealth is concerned. And uh, looking forward to seeing um, what we're going to uh, delve and glean from chapter five of, of James. Awesome. Awesome. I'm also looking forward. I really, really cannot wait. Um, 
someone here has just texted me saying, hey, I'm on the WhatsApp group. Let me advise those of you who are not on the Cabin Devils WhatsApp group. Please go ahead and join by visiting cabindevils.com and then scroll all the way to the bottom of that homepage and you'll see a huge WhatsApp button. Just tap it. It will take you straight onto the WhatsApp group for Cabin Devils. Most of the topics that we are discussing like tonight have already been discussed. They have already been shared. They've been they've been chewed back and forth uh, on this group. So when a show like this happens, uh, somehow these thoughts have already... Originally, this uh, group was called Cabin Devils Reminders. But again, things evolve and now it's just purely Cabin Devils. If you'd like to discuss, it's been opened up for the rest of us to be able to post our views. We advise that we don't advertise African shoes or products on it. Um, that would be quite not good. But again, go ahead and just join Cabin Devils by visiting cabindevils.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll see a huge um You'll see a huge button on WhatsApp and just tap it. It will take you straight to the group. Let me also advise you, if you're using a mobile phone, which I believe most of you are using right now, tap that button on the screen that has a box with an arrow pointing outward and share with your friends on your status in their inbox on the groups that you're on and tell them to come and join us here on Cabin Devils. It's going to be an awesome, awesome discussion. I was perusing through this article, Devi. Um... And it's, 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 he has points, but one of the things that uh, you did mention that I really would like to respect is how we don't want to swim to the extremes. Um, but the other thing that I usually have a problem with is when the Bible extensively makes a point and then we kind of find a comfortable place um, to try and live within. When he says you cannot serve both mormon and money, we want to find a place where we can serve both. We are human beings. And I think that is right there is a dangerous place to be. I think it's a dangerous place to be where we are trying to find a comfortable uh, place. Let me, let me, let me, let me just paraphrase this story the way John Piper paraphrased it. And I think you, you alluded to this again today, David, when you are preaching at church, he says in his article, this on desiringgod.org. Let's go together our discussion, at least for the first part of our conversation tonight. He says, here's a story to be told. We are in Luke chapter 12. He says, where a man's crops have produced much more than he expected. He said, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Um, I will tear down my barns and build large ones. That is what I'll do with all my accumulated wealth here at the end of the year when the stock market is going through the roof. If this man was living tonight, living here with us, he says, what will you do with all your extra money, rich man, is the question. And this guy is going to simply build bigger bands. Then he says to himself, well, let's relax and eat and be merry. And says, for you have good stored up for you for years to come. And some of the words used in Luke 12 are like, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. Then comes the crucial sentence in verse 21 when he says, So is the one, meaning fool, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What in the world does that mean, rich toward God? He said, uh, Baba said, I struggled with this for years. Surely it does not mean give God a lot of money. He doesn't mean 
He doesn't need any money from us. He has the cut of a thousand hills. And that's Psalm 50, verse 10. He says, no, being rich toward gold doesn't mean to enrich God. I think, Piper says, means count God as your riches. If you are looking about for where to be rich, focus on God. He is your great reward. Here, he is your riches. Therefore, laying up for yourself treasures in heaven would be living in such a way as to maximize God as your treasure. Handle your money in such a way as to show that God and not money is your treasure. David, quick question for you. Um, the statement this foolish young ruler made is, I have accumulated enough for years, for years to come. And one of the difficult um one of the difficult things to reconcile is storing up treasures here on earth is what we've come to know as savings, is what we've come to know as planning. That's what we've come to know as how to live life. And here's a sad part. We've also begun to define and measure success based on those things. Um, and we're not saying they're not important. But the Bible does not seem to be giving us any kind words when it comes to one who has measured success based on those things. The word used in Luke 12 is foolish. And Debbie, we need your help. Um, can, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting. That, that passage, and like you said, we dealt with it this morning at church. And... Uh, God is not condemning, you know, the accumulation of wealth. Uh, God is the one who gives us wealth. God is the one who gives us, you know, um, life and the ability and the, you know, the resources to be able to accumulate wealth. If, if he didn't want us to have it, he would snuff us um, in a second and, and, and everything will disappear. But it's, it's the place that wealth takes. At the end of that very text that you've quoted, um, you notice Jesus Christ, and it's the same uses in Matthew uh, 6.33, which we know, uh, it says, but seek ye first. It's interesting, it begins with but, but seek ye first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. That Matthew 6.33 alludes to so many things. One, it's an issue of priority. It talks about God being the priority, seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness should be the priority and then beginning to see wealth as an addition. The problem with you and I is that we tend to flip it the other way around. And so I wake up and I hustle so that I seek the wealth. Um, and it's the thing that preoccupies my mind. That is why God equates, I mean, of all things, of all things that we can have, for some reason, money or wealth is equated to another God. That's the only other thing that has the potential to draw man away from God and be a substitute God. Think about this. God can offer protection. So does wealth. Uh, God can provide for our needs. So does wealth. Um, I see when you talk about priorities, um, and I think Matthew 6, 33, one of the verses really that I memorized earlier on as a camper, uh, first things camp in Uganda, but seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things 
uh, shall be added unto you is a sense of priority. Priority. What is important? What is important? But ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are listening in, if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, please go ahead and post them again in the chat. We would like to hear what you think. We would like to hear what you think. As we continue to think about this money issue, there's a song I would like to play for you. Um, I've really been thinking about this for, for quite a while. And one of the interesting things is, and it was emphasized today um, uh, in, in the Sunday service, we're talking about and evaluating our spiritual lives and how we are living and where we are at. If you're familiar with the spiritual evaluation form, I think it's done by Crossway. It, it does some very extensive um, uh, um, examination of our hearts. And we went back and forth. We've been going back and forth with it uh, for quite a while. And something came to mind. And I said to myself, why would God summarize the commandments he's given to us into statement, a very clear statement, love the Lord your God. You would think that a summary of a statement would be, if you did this and this and this, then you would be okay. But the summary of all that we must do to obey God is to love him. And then later on this evening, as I continue thinking about that and what we are talking about today, and now David talking about priorities, something else came to mind. And I couldn't stop but remember the prodigal son. And the reason for his leaving was the last words he told his father just before he left, give me a share of my estate. And this guy went and squandered all of the father's, not really his, but the father's wealth in world living. And it's when he's taken, these things are taken away from him that he remembers his father. He says, he remembered his father, said, I'll go back to my father. And I think those are the words that Christ is using and saying, you cannot serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And he says, you cannot love God and money. I could not stop thinking about that particular story of the prodigal son because it was to do with wealth. It was surrounding wealth. But Devi, I know you were saying something when you when you dropped off, talking about priorities. Uh, please explain that to us and I'll play for us a song uh, very quickly. Well, I was talking about Matthew 6.33. You know, it comes in in the context of, of, of the whole issue of wealth. Um, and Jesus Christ is not saying we shouldn't desire wealth. I mean, wealth is good. He's the one who gives it to us. But when he says, but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. It's an, it's, it's an admission that these things are good, but we need to see them as an addition, but not the main thing. Our priority should be seeking God, not the gifts that God gives. And unfortunately, that's what we have you know, bought into. We, we go to church because we desire to you know, catch God's eye so that he can... Uh, give us favor, and then we can become rich and wealthy, and we stop seeking the giver, and we seek, you know, the the gifts that he gives us. So Matthew 6.33, which is in the same context of uh, this wealth thing, uh, reminds us our priority should be God. Our treasure and our boasting should be in the fact that we have a relationship with God, and 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 not that we have a fat bank account. Um, I, I know I went on talking, but I didn't know I'd been dropped um, off the call. Uh, but, but that's what I can say for, for now. Priority should be God. And, you know, I, I, um, 
I have seen wealthy people and they take off and God calls them just like that rich fool. And all that wealth that they had is left behind and suddenly it means nothing. I think I shared some time back here, uh, being in a hospital and my mother was on one bed, not very wealthy and a very wealthy gentleman from Tanzania. He was a tycoon from Tanzania, but in the same HDU and that man was helpless. Suddenly his wealth could not do anything for him. He, he was in need of a drink of water, but his wealth could not give it to him. And, and, and he was in the same place with this poor woman um, called my mother. And, you know, eventually he died and he left his wealth behind. Um, but if he had spent his life seeking after God, and that was his priority, right now he's in a better place. He has gained, there is profit from his time on earth. But if he spent all his resources just seeking after money, right now he's at a loss because suddenly he can't take whatever he accumulated here and it means absolutely nothing to him where he is right now. David, these are, these are very, very practical things to, to think about. Um, I, I think we quickly forget. My fear is we're actually going to hang up this show and tomorrow is going to be Monday. We're going to go back to chasing these things. We're going to go back to being worried about these things. We're going to go back to saying, God, if you can give me 10 million shillings, then I think I will be okay. Now, you can tell by me saying 10 million, saying, David, that's very little money. That's a lot of money when I think about it. Um, but we can actually equate sometimes our happiness to a particular amount of money. And the truth is when you get it, it will not be enough. And I think the foolishness is to think we can find satisfaction in these things. And David, I'm going to play this song. Um, I was telling the listeners that it's going to be just a quick reminder of what's important in terms of the intimacy we need uh, with God. And talking about just the words of Christ, it says, in my father's house, I mean, he mansions. And I don't understand. I, I thought a mansion was a house, but again, this house <laughs> is, is must be huge. But in talking about wealth and treasures in heaven, Christ does uh, um, explain that the Father is preparing a place for us. And, and I think sometimes we forget that the Lord is at hand. He's coming. He's near. And, and this is going to be a reminder um, just for us to focus on what's really important. And when we come back, I want to ask you, Devi, a question. Maybe for someone listening in tonight and they are overwhelmed by these needs. And I say, and I think I like the way we began this time when you said we need to be careful, especially in a time like this, because we need the money. We need, we need to make certain things move. Even at the end of the service, we do offertory because we need the money. But if someone is really overwhelmed by needs and they really need the money, they cannot find a place uh, to reconcile these things. Maybe some words of encouragement because... I've, I've listened to people's stories. I've, I've interacted with some friends and it is difficult when they share with you what's going on in their lives. It's really difficult. It's one problem after another. We will want to hear some words of encouragement, Devi, uh, from you at the end of this song. But may this song encourage you. It's called Father's House. Father's House. May it be an encouragement uh, to us this evening. Music that will warm your heart towards God. Good God Music that will encourage your soul when I'm up, when I'm down. and help 
words of encouragement tonight when it comes to worry, when it comes to anxiety and the things of this world. I love the bridge when it says prodigals come home, the helpless find home. Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide. The dead come to life. Love is on the move. It, I, I, when I thought about those words, I remembered the father uh, opening his arms. And the Bible says he stood at that particular house and waited for his son to come home. And he saw him from afar. And, and, and when he hugged him, he kissed him. And he's just welcoming him back home, even after the mistakes that he has made. I think some of us might have made money mistakes, left the father, left church because we thought, oh, I'm rich. And now maybe we are broke again. And just a reminder of who provides this all. But if he, any words of encouragement to someone who might be listening in tonight, um, things are not well, they need the money. And here we are talking about money, uh, the love of it being the root of all evil. Any words of encouragement to someone who might be listening in tonight and needs to be encouraged? Debbie. All right. Um, David, I don't know that this will be an encouragement, but I hope it is an encouragement. Um, if you are a child of God and, and you're in that point where you know things are, are very tight and uh, you've been looking forward to money to provide um, it, it probably is, you know, God just calling for your attention. Um, again, taking you back to uh, Matthew 6.33. And God sometimes is going to pull that rug from under our feet uh, to win us back, uh, to God, for us to realize, listen, you have gone through today even if you didn't have any money. You have gone through this whole week it was hard, it was tough, but you didn't have money and you're still alive. You're like that bird in, you know, that God feeds. You're like the flower that he dresses every day. You may not be dressed as well as you want to. You may not be feeding the way you want to, but it's just those subtle reminders sometimes that he brings our way because he loves us. And, and, and he's, you know, he's, He's doing everything. He's throwing everything to capture our attention because he doesn't want us to waste our lives and invest our lives and our efforts in things that are futile and temporal. He wants us to invest our lives in what really matters, our relationship with him, you know, uh, seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness. And if he so desires, he will bring these additions. You know, that's what is something that we tend to forget, that wealth is just an addition. It's not a necessity. We've convinced ourselves that wealth is a necessity. And that's because we've taken our eyes off God and we've looked at everything around us and we've elevated certain things to a necessity. Listen, so many years back, many of us, none of us had a smartphone. You know, WhatsApp never existed. All these things that now we have equated to necessity never existed. But we've convinced ourselves that they are a necessity. No, they're just additions. The necessity in our lives is a relationship with God. The necessity in our lives is our standing with God. Because at the end of it all, he is the one that matters. Not these things that we pursue uh, flippantly. I mean, I was sharing uh, with some people yesterday um, and, and here's the funny thing about wealth. Anytime it can go, anytime it can go, or anytime I can go away from it. Uh, just like that rich fool, you know, God knocks and says, hey, listen, 
tonight I need, I'm, I'm taking your life away from you. Um, and, and you've not invested in, in, in a relationship with me. And yet that's what matters. Uh, you, you've spent time investing in this wealth. Anytime these things can go. I mean, two, two nights ago, I was looking at my account and there was zero, 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 zero. And I was in shock. By the way, this is something that has happened to me before. Um, I had put my monies in a certain bank some time back, uh, one of those banks that was shut down. Um, and, you know, I put in my savings from, you know, university working, and I was looking forward to uh, travel and, and go study abroad. So I had, I had my account. It was sufficient enough. And, you know, I was banking everything on that account. And then Bank of Uganda, lo and behold, shut down that bank. And it wasn't until two years afterwards that, you know, our money could be accessed in another bank. Now, remember, um, there's usually an insurance. You never get back all your monies. <laughs> you get a minimum uh, based on the insurance that is there. And that for me was a lesson. Actually, that, was a, that is when I learned Matthew 6.33. That is when I learned Matthew 6.33. I had put all my hopes to go and study. I'd put all my hopes in this. I had all my confidence. And guess what? For those two years, I never lacked anything. He fed me like the birds in the air. He dressed me like the lilies in the field. And so Matthew 6.33 reminds us, this is an encouragement. You know, um, if you're going through some hassle and maybe you had something that was giving you comfort, uh, it's God just, you know, he... he he noticed probably that had taken its, his place and he, he's, he's running after your heart relentlessly, passionately, and is going to do anything and everything to get your attention, just like he did everything to get you in the first place by sending his beloved son. So take courage. I know right now it may not be comfortable. You may be saying, David, you're just saying that. You don't know. I know. I know. I have been there. I have been there. And I know. And... Um, it's a beautiful thing when you get to realize Matthew 6, 33. Uh, the process may not be uh, comfortable. The process might be not be nice, but it's a beautiful thing eventually when he captures your heart and places it where it is supposed to be. You know, and, and earlier on, you know, the reason why wealth or money is equated to, uh, to Mormon, to another God, is because it has this pseudo, um, you know, protection it gives us. I mean, face it, if you have money, you can build a fence, you can hire an Ascari, you can, you can do all these things. If you have money, you can have an identity. If you have money, there's providence. Whatever you want, you can get it. And Solomon was in that place. Um, you know, whatever he wanted, whatever his heart wanted, he could get it. But listen, this was his conclusion. It was empty. It was vanity. And how does he include, conclude Ecclesiastes? He says, listen, you do what you want, but at the end of it all, this is the conclusion he says in verse 13. When all has been hard, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to everyone. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. The basis of everything, the foundation of everything should be based on God, not what he gives us. David. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. I know most of us who are listening in tonight, this contradicts uh, famous prosperity summons that we've had. Um, but again, it's really up to you to choose. 
Um, um, I think this is clear from God's word that our hope is in God. And, and I keep reminding people each time I remember uh, the scripture that says um, we will seek him and find him if we seek him with all, his, with all our heart. Say, you'll seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. But sometimes when we read that verse, we hear different words. We hear you will seek me and find answers to your prayer requests when you seek me with all your heart. And that's not what he's saying. He's saying you will find me. You will find God. And I think he's calling us to an intimate relationship with him, not the money, not answers to our prayer requests. And so may this be an encouragement to us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Devi. I know you wondered before you started if this would be an encouragement. But yes, and yes, it is. Uh, and, and so thank you. Devi, we're supposed to be talking through the book of James. And uh, mm-hmm. money is only the first part. This is verse 1 to 6. And we do still have 7 to 12 that I believe from my divisions that I see here in titles of the Bible I'm using. This is ESV. It has patience in suffering. And then the last part says the prayer of faith. And I think just coming to what we are discussing today, money and and, and, and suffering and hope, I think the two are still connected, suffering and that prayer uh, of faith. But like I've been asking all the other commentators coming through chapter one, two, three, and four, what other verse stood out for you in chapter five as you looked through? Well, David, you know, I, I took some time to study uh, chapter five. And, um, you know, again, chapter five from verse one to um, verse six, it's talking about the whole issue of wealth. And we need to understand James is not condemning wealth. Is condemning the wicked, wealthy people. How are they wicked? Um, you look at verse um, verse four. They have laborers, but they are not paying them their worth. Uh, this goes to bosses like uh, some of us who are listening here. You know, when you have the resources and you're paying people fairly, God condemns that. Uh, you, you go to verse five. They lived a licentious life, a wanton life um, with the wealth. It's like, you know, and, and listen, it says, and you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You know, their hearts didn't even have any space for God. It was all about the wealth they had. And here is number, number six. They were unjust. They practiced injustice because they had their wealth. They could use their wealth to, you know, to skew justice and condemned and put to death the righteous man. The righteous man in a true uh, situation where there's justice should be set free. But because they have the money and the wealth to influence, and we see these things in our country, uh, they, they use that, that money and the wealth that they had wrongly. And so what is James's call to these wicked, wealthy people? Go back to verse 1. He says, weep and howl. When is he telling them to weep and howl? Right now. He's not saying, listen, you will weep and howl in the future when you go before God. He's calling them to repent and change their ways. Listen, if you're wealthy and and wealth has turned your heart to be a person who is unfair and just, you're just obnoxious, you know, living a godless life, this is a warning to you from James. He's saying, weep and howl right now. Listen, James uses language of the Old Testament. 
And, and, and James is the first book that is written in the New Testament. And so much of the theology that is going on is Old Testament. And so the people who are reading this, who are recipient to this letter, they understand the language of the Old Testament whenever it says weep and howl, or even wear sackcloth, it was a call to repentance and get things right. In other words, it's like a Matthew 6.33, get your priorities right. And, you know, I've had people talk about, you know, when you, you bring out biblical principles and they say, let's get real. James is about being real, but it's being real within the context of God's word. He says, listen, it's time your, your walk, if you're a believer especially, your walk must be in tandem with God's word. You who is wealthy and you're wicked and you're oppressing others, it's time for you to get God's word, look into that mirror and make things right. You who has turned wealth into a God, weep and wail and get your priorities right. Now, you talked about patience in verse 7. This is all connected. As much as James is like Proverbs, it has bits and pieces. Verse 7 is not very far, you know, and 8 and... Uh, 10 all the way to uh, 11. It's not very far from the beginning. You notice the wealthy were using their wealth to oppress the poor. Now the poor who are being oppressed by the wealthy were also beginning to get tired. And, and, and I mean, it's like in our country right now, some of you are saying there's so much evil and the evil people are prospering. And the same sentiments that, that you know, David brought out you know why are the wicked prospering and he's saying listen those of you who are being oppressed the judgment of god is coming so be patient until the coming of the lord when the lord comes listen he's a judge okay he, he's he's going to bring justice um uh, uh, verse 10 he says on listen he uses do not complain brethren against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged behold the judge is standing right at the door he's saying you who are being oppressed by the rich, by the wealthy, be patient as well. The Lord is coming. The judge is coming. You know, they might get away right now, but their time is coming. And he gives an example of Job as an example who suffered patiently, you know, and at the end of it all, uh, things work out. Um, and then verse 12, um, maybe what stood out, verse 12, uh, you asked what stood out for me. Uh, I know our time is running. So, but I wanted to, you know, first clarify that issue of, of wealth and, and in the context of gems. Verse 12 really stood out for me as well. Um, but above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, uh, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Um, Again, to understand that uh, James is written within the context of the Old Testament. By the way, by the time James writes, there is no any other book of the New Testament as we have it right now. So the, the Bible that was being used for church services at that time, and there were home churches, it is the Old Testament. Uh, when he talks about you know, God's word being the mirror, he's talking about the Old Testament, the prophets, the history books, the poetry. Um, and... and so much of what was going on was still Old Testament tradition. Now, what was the tradition in Old Testament in as far as oaths is concerned? Um, there were two types of oaths at that time. There was the binding oath, and a binding oath 
you know, if you swore by this oath, it had to be fulfilled because um, the binding oath was made in God's name. And then there was another type of oath, which was the non-binding oath. Um, the non-binding oath is equivalent to, you know, what we say, just kidding. You know, you, you tell someone, listen, um, hey, I'm going to buy you a car tomorrow. I promise I'll buy you a car. And then after the end of it all, you say, just kidding. Or a non-binding oath is equivalent to when, you know, you're telling someone something and you've crossed your, your fingers, your two middle fingers. Uh, we are all familiar with that. And, and then when someone gets excited, you show them the two fingers they are crossed. In other words, the oath you've made is non-binding because you didn't have any intentions of, of carrying it out. So James is addressing that and he's telling the believers, listen, let's get real. We can't run our lives based on our traditions where we have two types of oath, a binding oath made under God's name and a non-binding oath. As children of God, your oath should be binding at all time. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. In other words, our lives should be in tandem with God's word. Our lives should be in tandem with the faith that we have, you know, put our lives in the faith of Christianity. And, and, and let's be people of integrity. Um, and so when someone is asking you, where are you? Don't say, I am coming. And then when they ask you specifically, where are you? And you say, I'm in Wandegea, when in actual sense, you're still in Matsaka. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Let your word mean something. Let your word be a testimony of they, of he that you have a relationship with. We live in times where, you know, people's word means absolutely, absolutely nothing. And it is such a bad thing for a child of God. Because when you think that the child of God, our, our relationship begins with words. The gospel is good news. That, that, that's words. And... It, it, it is what we use to share for other people to trust in God. And so when we begin to taint our word, then the gospel that we share also becomes questionable. And, 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 and Paul alludes to this in Romans chapter 2 when he's talking about the Jews and says, listen, in fact, people are turning away from God because of you. You are not credible, your teachers who are lost, your teachers who teach others to do and say things, but you do the opposite. It's almost the same thing that is being alluded to here, that as a child of God, you need to be careful about your words. You need to be careful about what you say and you commit yourself to. When you commit yourself to it, see it to the end. When you say something, let your word hold something. And I usually uh, share this, um, especially when it comes to relationships, this nonsense, the cultural thing, you know, back then the Old Testament, the culture was, you know, you had a binding and a non-binding oath. Um, and, and, and these days, you know, they, they say, you know, as a girl, you should play hard to get. Uh, so when a guy asks you out the first time, you know, just say no. But while you actually want him to work hard, listen, that is right from the pit of hell. It's got nothing to do with God's word. 
you know, um, when we look at relationships in terms of our relationship with God, God does not psych us. He doesn't say, well, I've sent my son, Jesus Christ, to come and die for you so that you can have a relationship. He doesn't say in John 1, 12, whoever receives and believes in him, um, you know, he gives them the right to be children of God. And then he says, psych, you know, this is not true. No, when you do what he expects of you, it is true. It, it, it is efficacious. You, don't, you have no doubts. And that's how we should be as children of God. When a girl says no, take the no and move on because you believe they are children of God. And girls, when you say no, please mean no. And when you say yes, please mean yes. Um, and, I, and I've had to apply this in my life, you know. Um, pursue someone and they tell you no, I trust you're a child of God, I move on. Um, I've been faulted as a boss uh, sometime for easily letting people go. When someone comes and gives me their resignation letter, um, I don't try to persuade them. I, I, I use this verse. I believe when they're saying it's time for me to move on, no, to word of life, I believe them. I don't believe they're playing games. They actually are saying, you know, I, I really want to stay here for a long time. But I want, you know, David to persuade me and, and, you know, throw all these nice things. That's not Christianity. That's not being real. Wow. Um, that, 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 that's cutting really, really deep. Um, I know we lost Devi again, but Devi, thank you. If you can still hear me, thank you so much um, for really emphasizing verse 12. You let your yes be yes and you know, no. Um, I, I've really been continuing to think about um, what we sometimes do and trying to connect, of course, verse 12 to how people sometimes want to get rich quickly. And it's all connected. It's all connected. It's right there. Um, we, we, we violate contracts. We take shortcuts. Um, we, we, sign, we sign things very quickly without, even when we don't agree, when our conscience does not agree. Uh, maybe because of the benefits. And I think this is really a reminder uh, to honor God with our word in saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's five minutes to the end of our time here. I'm going to ask Devi if you can still hear me to call in so we can be able to conclude our our time here. Uh, but that was, that was that, that's really awesome. I know someone asked a question earlier on. Um, this is Lynn Ankunda. It says, when will this podcast be available to download? He says there, she says there are many truths that people need to be reminded of. And I agree with you. There's something I've been working on day and night. It's called the book club, the book club. It's your version of small groups. And I'm going to be telling you more about it at the end of our time here. But let me allow David to finish up his thought. But David, you just talked about a few minutes ago. It's not been long. I've, I've been really following. Um, you gave the last example I remember clearly you gave was not trying to persuade one who has handed in a resignation letter um, because they mean their word. Um, but yeah. yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, just going by that, you know, we, we, we have bought into the world's way of thinking that, uh, you know, you need to either play hard to get as a girl or even as a worker as a way of negotiation. Our negotiations as believers, when I come to the table and I say, listen, even when I go to the market, when I tell you I have 5,000, it should be 5,000. You'd rather even leave the 10,000 at home and actually have 5,000 in your pocket uh, and not play games. 
um, and, and go by, you know, the, 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 the things that uh, the Old Testament people had, the binding, you know, oath and the non-binding oath. And, and we begin to play games with people. And, and, and unfortunately, I've seen this happen even within Christian circles. Someone brings in a resignation, but they, are, they really don't want to resign. They don't want to go. They are hoping that you will plead with them and give them a, a much higher offer. Um, unfortunately for me, this verse really means something. And when you tell me you're leaving, well, I give you my blessing. And I say, thank you for serving with us. And, you know, we'll pray for you as you become a missionary somewhere else. Um, in other words, and it's okay for you to come in and say, listen, I want a pay raise, if that's what you're looking for. And let's have a discussion on that. In other words, whatever we say as Christians, it should not leave anyone second guessing. Because when we create that reputation, when I get to share the gospel, it also creates room for people to start guessing the gospel itself. There is so much at stake with our words as believers. It goes beyond just our life and the things that we do to actually he that we represent and the message that we represent. The gospel is a spoken message. The gospel is something we share using our words. And therefore we need to put credibility to our words such that when it comes to us sharing the gospel, there's no question marks. They know when we say eternal life, it's eternal life. When we say God loves that person, it is true that God loves them. It's not a psych. Uh, kind of situation. Awesome. Uh, Devi, I do remember the first time you taught on this verse. I don't know if you do, but it was quite a while ago. We're actually doing counselor's training, and yeah. you did mention how, um, I'm of course talking about teachers of the law being careful because they will be strictly judged. And, and you're talking about how we use our words. And, and I like how you ended uh, with that same example um, in saying what we say really matters and how we say it really matters. But if you have a history of meaning no, when we say yes, even the gospel that will come out of our mouth when we proclaim it will be tainted uh, in every way. But so thank you. And thank you so much. It's one minute to 10. And I want to say one more time, Devi, thank you. Thank you. I can hear you opening your Bible. Is there something else that has come to mind <laughs> as we come to, to the end of our time? Uh, but if there's any final words, please, yeah, conclude. And yeah, maybe talking about James chapter five or the entire book in summary as we come to the end of our time here. It's been really awesome. Uh, and I know it's hard to talk about money. It's You get personal very quickly when you talk about money. But thank you. I think it's been very, very clear. We really appreciate our time. Any final words for us before I can give my concluding remarks? Well, David? again, before someone takes, you know, what James is talking about riches, we need to be reminded in context. In James 1.17, you know, James reminds us every good thing is from God. Wealth is from God. Um, and it is not to be um, shunned. You know, sometimes we, the poor Christians, just because we can't get the wealth, we tend to demonize certain things. And I think that is jealous. Uh, we just have to put wealth in its right perspective to know it is just a gift and not to mm. seek the gift, but the give of the gift. But then the other thing, in conclusion, you know, James is a very practical uh, book. I mean, many times we've been in Bible discussions and then you share a verse and then someone says, let's be real. And whenever they say, let's mm -hmm. be real, they're usually saying, 
let's put God's word to the side and just go by what is happening in life. Now, James is saying being real is allowing God's word to be lived out in our lives. And that's what he says. Let's be real. James chapter 2, verse 14. And so the whole book of James is just let's be real. Let's be real in, in terms of uh, suffering, persecution. Let's be real in the way we view our lives. Let's be real in the way we treat people in the church. You know, don't give preference to others. Let's be real in the way we handle wealth. Let's be real in the way we handle being persecuted. Let's be real in our prayer life. Let's be real with our words. Let them be in tandem with God's word and what he prescribes for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Remember, we talked about the book club and we've been talking through the book of James. And so in setting up the book club, what I have done is I've set up two books. One of them is called Ceasefire. And this is already an interview I already did here on Cabin Devils with the author, Chip Nightingale. Just look it up. It should not be very far behind. Um, but the other book that I've put up is the book of James. And what I'm going to do, or what I have done uh, so far, is I've put up discussion platforms for each of the chapters, both for Ceasefire and the Book of Gems. When it comes to the Book of Gems, for each of those particular chapters that are going to be discussed in this book club, which is really an online discussion book club, is to put these particular episodes on top so you can choose to read through the Book of Gems, let's say chapter one, and then join the discussion chapter two and join the discussion but the other option you will have is to listen to the audio of the interview that we've had with several ones uh, concerning the book of gems but here's the thing when it comes to online discussions security is very important and so what we have done is this book club is by invitation only by invitation only so someone already has to exist on the group or in the book club to invite you because part of the sign-up process is a passcode and only me knows the passcode plus those who have already joined but here's the thing on the whatsapp group i'm going to post this particular passcode uh sometime tonight or tomorrow morning uh actually tonight as soon as the show uh ends i'm going to post the passcode on the whatsapp group so just go to cabindivos.com go down scroll all the way to the end you'll see a huge button of whatsapp the WhatsApp logo, tap it, and it will take you straight to the Cabin Devils WhatsApp group. I'm going to give us a, about maybe 10 minutes before I post the code. If I find that this code has been abused in any way, I'll simply change it to something else, and I'll lock out all the bad guys after excluding them from the book club. But in essence, that's what the book club is all about. Within this book club, I do have 15 copies of Ceasefire. Someone here won a copy of Ceasefire and they'll be getting it this coming week. But if you'd like a copy, as soon as one is done reading the copy, we can always pass it on. But if you'd like to, this is more like lending you a copy. If you'd like to own a copy, there's of course options uh, to own a copy of Ceasefire right within the book club. And so, welcome to the book club. This is really the official launch of the book club. I think the discussions that have already been taking place there have been awesome uh, already. And I do have some friends who are already engaged all the way through chapter three. The other option you have within the book club is to be able to ask the author the question directly. And Chip Nightingale is already 
on the book club ready to answer your questions and the people who have been uh, commenting on chapter one two three and five of gems are still going to be on the book club uh, so they can be able to answer any of your questions so if you missed any of the episodes that's where you will find them if you'd like to continue with this discussion in a safe place you will find it within the book club just simply go to cabindivos.com scroll all the way to the end tap the Uh, WhatsApp group. Go to the WhatsApp group. That's where I'm going to post the invitation code to join the book club and the rest of the instructions on how this can be done. But thank you and thank you so much.